Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is February 6, 2023. And as we do each week, let's begin with a brief moment of silence, uh, linking up with the Worldwide Triangles Network, followed by a sounding of the Noontime Recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. Each week we join together with a dual purpose. One is to introduce this planetary service of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. So if you are new to this work, welcome. And if after hearing a little bit about triangles, you think that you would like to form a triangle, you can place your name in the chat box and two other people on the call will hopefully agree to form a triangle with you. We also come together each week for those of us who are already members of Triangles to participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a, is a daily visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. It's simply the establishing of lines of lighted, loving communication between three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. Three people come together mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. And then their triangle is placed within the larger planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, we close the practice by sounding the great invocation, a world prayer that aids in the distribution of light and goodwill into the consciousness of all humanity. So in the chat box, we'll place a suggested format for your triangles work, which you can use each day. Of course, it can be adapted, but um, it might be a helpful guide, particularly for those of you who are new to this work. So triangles need only take a few minutes each day and it can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. And so after our meditation today, we are going to be welcoming two guests, Stephen Sprung and Nazanin Zodi, and they'll be sharing on the theme of crisis and expansion which we've had a couple of other webinars uh, with other presenters on this theme. And it really brings home the spiritual life uh, and its challenges and its opportunities. So we're looking forward to hearing from Stephen and Nazanin. So just to say that Stephen Sprung works in the entertain entertainment industry as a film and television editor. And after moving from his native New York to Los Angeles in his mid-20s, 
He developed an interest in meditation and the study of esoteric philosophy. More recently, Stevens expanded into the world of astrology, using it as a tool for personal growth and understanding. And then Nazanin will be sharing with us as well. And she's a freelance translator and linguist who works in human resource management. And her educational background is in English literature, linguistics, and translation. And she's undertaken much research and translation work in ancient Eastern and Western philosophies and human civilization, especially in the Persian Empire. So again, we look forward to hearing from you both after the meditation. So as we do each week now, let's begin with a brief visualization. Let's come together on the mental plane and visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, let's visualize a triangle composed of the three planetary centers, Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. And now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize the five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher. He who links east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love wisdom. the center of the star, visualize the tiny cross of humanity. And as we stand as a group at the center of that cross, let's breathe in invoking the spiritual will and vitalizing the three spheres of the planetary centers coming into alignment, forming one sphere. This is the sphere of the new group of world servers. Visualize this sphere full of unlimited points of light, representing the multitude of groups and individuals working on all lines of endeavor. And from the central point in this sphere, look down and visualize the planet Earth. See it as full of light and aspiration. And as a group, as we breathe in, let's visualize this light within humanity being lifted by the group and projected 
in a stream into the spiritual hierarchy. And let's breathe in and visualize the downpouring energy circulating through the new group, through the planetary network, through the five planetary centers, releasing light and goodwill as we sound together the affirmation of light. Radiance, we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So we're working now in the first day of distribution of the energies of the Aquarius full moon period, which occurred the day of safeguarding was yesterday. And this Aquarian energy is very aligned with the work of triangles because it's an energy that's related to distribution, to pouring forth of spiritual energies. And of course that is what we do each day in our triangles practice. So when we work in this full moon period each year, it's as if we are given an increased uh, insight into what the coming age will be, if we can tap into the energies of this full moon, because as we know, we are entering into a 2,500 year cycle which will be governed by this sign of service, of world service. But it's a special influx into a new age. It's powerfully um, being stimulated by the fact that not only in what's called this cycle of the lesser zodiac, this 2,500 year cycle, we're entering into an age of Aquarius, but also, and powerfully um, auspiciously, so we're entering into a much larger Aquarian cycle, a 25,000 year cycle we're entering into in the cycle of the greater zodiac. And so this confluence, at least for this next 2,500 years of these two Aquarian cycles. And now when the sun is also in that sign, we perhaps have an enhanced ability to ground and work with this energy of world service. 
And I think we can sense it um, because Aquarius is, although it's an air sign, it's governed um, by the more mental aspect. We're also, we also know from its keynote that it is an energy that's very related to sensitivity to the waters uh, and so therefore to the astral realm. But we might say that the astral energies that are pouring through this sign are not so much the energies related to the lower human uh, field of emotional uh, confusion, which is so often characteristic of the emotional plane, which is in such a state of turmoil at this time as we move into a new age, always the entry into a new age sees the ending of, a, of the previous age and the concretization or the crystallization of the energies of that previous cycle. And so we see, you know, a lot of fundamentalism as a result of the outgoing of the sixth ray and of Pisces. So as we come into this new age um, with its relationship with a higher aspect of the astral plane, we might say it's related to the cosmic astral plane to which the world teacher, the Christ, can attune himself. We have the opportunity of bringing about um, this pouring forth of the waters of life. That's the keynote, which is symbolized here in this image, this pouring forth of the world's savior. All of us, the world's saviors collectively, we can contribute to this pouring forth of the energies of life. Water of life am I poured forth for thirsty man. So this water comes or is channeled as a way station through the Christ himself. He's able to tap into these living waters, which we're told are in pools of energy that are found in this highest center of the planet, the center Shambhala. We're told that there are these sacred pools of living water. And I do think that that is the energy to which the Christ attunes himself during this particular festival. And these waters are able to be stirred by the Christ and released as healing, and particularly in relationship to a healing of the nations. And that's interesting to consider in the sign of Aquarius, when we're having a particularly challenging situation on the global stage between two primary nations in the world, the United States and Russia. Interestingly enough, at this crisis point in the relationship between these two countries, we have the opportunity that's being given to us at this Aquarius full moon, wherein both these nations at the soul level are governed by the sign of Aquarius. So perhaps as we work with these energies, during these days of distribution, when the energies are pouring out, we can direct them as a group through the planetary etheric, holding in mind this important triangle that the Tibetan 
highlighted in his teachings and said was one of the key planetary triangles with which we in the esoteric group can work in order to bring in the new age, the triangle between Russia, the United States, and the UK. So during these days of distribution of the living waters, the healing waters for the nations of the world, let's work and hold this opportunity in the forefront of our consciousness. And let's now move into our meditation. Focusing ourselves as a group on the mental plane, we integrate as a group at the center of the event arm cross of discipleship. Reaching above to these life, these living waters, and pouring them forth through the horizontal axis in service of the whole. Linking in thought as points of love and light with all people throughout the world who are working in this Triangles Meditation Group. Projecting our group energetic stream towards the spiritual hierarchy, the center of love, we sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love, 
which underlies and infuses the network. and extend the alignment to the world teacher who stands at the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. and holding the alignment between your triangle, the triangle of the group soul, and the triangle within the hierarchy with the Christ at the center, we hold the group mind open and receptive to the inquiring energy of love. Precipitation. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of people everywhere. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships. Come together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. 
Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. distribution, sounding the great invocation silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth.
Thank you, everyone. And now, Stephen, we'll welcome you. Uh, if you can unmute. Yeah. Hi, Stephen. Hello. Hi. So welcome. Look forward to hearing your presentation. Mm, thank you. That was such a powerful meditation. I have to kind of pull myself back into my body <laughs> to, to talk. Um, uh, yeah, thanks uh, for inviting me here. I really appreciate it. And um, uh, I've been, you know, I really had to take the time to think about your theme of crisis and uh, a resultant expansion, uh, an experience of something like that. And what's, um, you know, as you mentioned, I'm in the entertainment industry and I was, um, I went to Los Angeles from New York uh, when I was in my early to mid twenties and uh, to work in the entertainment industry. And before long, I found myself exploring meditation by visiting diff different spiritual centers uh, around Southern California, which I don't know if there's more of them than there are on the East coast, but I certainly became aware of more of them. And um uh, just became my journey to 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 discover where I where I fit in and and who had the best teachings for me uh, for a meditation practice, but I knew early on that that's I was drawn to these spiritual centers and I eventually I found myself um, drawn most to the Self Realization Fellowship Paramahansa Yogananda and uh, Autobiography of a Yogi and. Um, started practicing meditation that way. It became clear. I said, I wonder if I was drawn to Southern California for the entertainment industry or for something else. And it did start <laughs> to feel like, you know, it was a spiritual calling in a sense. And, um, and after a while of practicing meditation through the techniques given at SRF, uh, Self-Realization Fellowship, uh, uh, I went back to a friend of mine who actually introduced me to the autobiography and to, and to Yogananda. And he said, Oh my goodness! You've got to you've got to look into this esoteric philosophy. And I was like, wait a minute! I just got I just landed in this other thing. <laughs> anyway, that led me to the Alice Bailey and DK teachings, and um, it became a whole other rich dimension to my practice. And um, over the years uh, since then, uh, it's been a continued uh, deepening and evolution, and really creating. Um, in a sense, from the resources and the teachings of both places, uh, both DK and uh, Alice Bailey and, uh, and SRF, kind of developing my own meditation practice. And for me, the goal is uh, most, for me, it's so well articulated by, uh, by um, Alice Bailey and, you know, particularly Raisin Initiations, Treatise on White Magic and, uh, and, um, uh, and then the other books too, some of the other books, but those were like really, really solid grounding. And and I'd really say Treatise on White Magic was my, was my, basically my Bible for several years, yeah. several years. Just wow. Um, <laughs> just wow. And, yeah. uh, and now I've got like, uh, now I've got a massive collection of, of um, Google documents. Basically I use Google documents to, to collect the quotes and, and stages of meditation as I see it and as works for me. And I refer to that every day. It's my source. It's my guide. Um, and it's very important to me to have it specifically laid out uh, in a way that works for me as I discover it and to make notes, extensive notes and to write it out. 
in particular because there's times I get very busy, you know, doing my work as a film editor. You know, when I'm doing that work, I'm I'm gone 90 hours a week sometimes, depending on the kind of job it is. And I don't have a time to think about anything, let alone meditation. And, and it's only when the job ends or if I have a long weekend or whatever that I want to get back to it, I literally have to just open up my book, my documents and go, okay, how does this work again? Where do I start? And uh, And it brings me back. And so um, I've developed a thing where I just begin even from the very beginning of just sitting quietly and allowing everything to be and flow. And, and then I move from there, whether it's a day or two or longer, to a stage where I can start to declare that I'm present to my to really step outside of my own experience of life, um, you know, the way we're caught up in, in daily world eventually getting to the point where I can um, declare that I am, that I am the soul whose nature is light and love and selflessness. And um, I only can get there once I pass the other two phases that I've articulated here. And it's only then that I can really sit in the area of, um, of myself, which knows that I am, um, I'm present, which is present to myself as a personality and realizing that I am, that I am the soul. It's only then that I can begin the first of the stages that DK mapped out, which is concentration. And uh, I find that then once I'm dwelling in that uh, space, practicing the art of concentration, that's a really powerful place. It's, of course, exceedingly rare to be there in my life, but um, it's very sweet when I can find myself there dwelling in the soul realm is in a sense, what I experience as the soul realm you know, with full understanding that there's so much more than I'm ever experiencing at any given time, especially when I read DK and realize, you know, all the way up to the monad, you know, where am I? I'm just in the bottom layer, even when I feel like I'm in the soul realm. But nonetheless, I, I embrace it and I enjoy it and I appreciate it. So with that as a background, you know, I, um, I tell you that um, at a certain point in my life, um, I realized I'm having very, very, very tough time with my mother. Um, and, and this is what really, the reason I'm going to tell this story is because it really brings home and, and brought, uh, brings home for me, the, I don't want to say the purpose, but it gave a new dimension to the practice of, well, what is it, you know, why am I really so I'm in the soul realm feels good, but you know, what's available there is the question, right? You know, okay, I'm in the soul realm, but you know, what's available now that I'm here besides just sitting and hanging out there, um, which is, you know, a nice feeling, as I said. Well, after a lifetime and and, uh, and many decades of adulthood living in Los Angeles, even far away from my mother, I realized there's there was great difficulty in my relationship with her that became less and less... Um, it became harder and harder to reconcile. For example, I'd go home and I'd be like, all of a sudden I'm, you know, seven years old again, you know, and here I am a functioning adult in the world and great professional, you know, and yet I'm seven years old when I'm home. And at a certain point, it got to be a crisis point, the details I won't get into, but uh, essentially I need, I realized at a certain point I needed to step away. You know, I needed to step away because it became the where there was nothing I could do, no matter how much love I gave, no matter how, no matter how hard I tried to be the good son, no matter how hard I tried to do what I felt she needed, it, you know, it just became something where I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had to literally embrace being what, you know, in that paradigm was considered the bad son and just say, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to take a break and I'm not going to communicate anymore. 
which is, um, you know, for me, it was really hard, you know, because I, I, I built my whole life around just trying to please her. And I realized this is not working and it, it, it might never work, but I don't know until I take a step away. And uh, so, you know, this was quite a protracted period, by the way, of, of crisis for me, because, you know, it's not easy to take this step for, especially for me. Some people, when they're 18 years old, they realize that, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm on the road. I don't care what these parents of mine are doing, but I'm not like that. So here I am in a crisis moment and, and, and talking endlessly to friends about this situation. What do I do? Do I need to call? Do I need to call? Uh, uh, see, you know, you can, you can only imagine the, the resources I tried to reach out, out to supportive people um, who might be able to give me some insight and everybody did have good insight uh, and pieces, but it was one day in meditation um, where I was able to, as I described before, find myself in the soul realm in my little room that I had built to meditate in. And while I was hanging out there in that soul realm, I was lucky enough to find myself there again. And I do feel lucky when I find myself there because it's not something I can force or even make happen. It just has, it has to come in a space of allowing and practicing these, these steps that I described. I found myself hanging out in the soul realm and enjoying it and appreciating it. And while, wow, it's great up here, you know, really literally looking down at myself on the cushions, meditating and having all my worldly thoughts and really feeling like a separate person up there looking down and um, such a beautiful feeling. Anyway, as I sat up there in the soul realms, I said, well, Hey, if I'm up here, everybody else is up here too. Some part of everybody else is up here too whether or not they meditate is not 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 the issue it's there's a part of them that's up here too so i started looking around at my friends and picking out people in my life and i'm like oh there's there's the soul realm version of you know all my different friends and i said well what's mom doing up here <laughs> hey mom what are you doing up here you know i know what's going on on the earthly realm on the on the personality realm the, the earth plane what's happening up here and it was remarkable. I, I encountered her as a loving, generous, beautiful spirit. You know, I, I can't even put words to the feeling so well. I mean, I'm trying because, you know, that's the form we're in here. But the feeling was one of love. And it was so such a stark contrast to the feeling I'd been living with for the last year. And well, my whole life, but the, the feeling I've been living with for the year that I cut things off. It was such a stark contrast that it was just amazing to live in that soul realm and to, to interact with her in that realm. And it was a swirling and movement and periods of feeling like we're dancing together and looking in each other's eyes and just, you know, like, wow, there's the love. There's the love. I felt it up there, right? And I said, wow, so what do you want? I like, I literally thought there's a question I need to ask here now that I'm here. And the question, it wasn't quite, what do you want? But it was more like, what am I meant to do? What's, what's now that I'm here, what, what, what's the right thing to do? Am I doing the right thing? Tell me. And it was, I, I don't remember the exact question, but it was something along those lines, a, a definite deep inquiry about whether the actions I was taking in life were correct. And I wanted it, I was looking for an answer. And what I received was quite remarkable. In that her spirit, whatever you want to call it, I, the words are so, you know, but inadequate, but, you know, whatever, whatever that you can describe the two of us interacting, her, that version of her said to me, go, 
leave, stay away, run away, go. And what she was saying was, I've been treating you very harshly your whole life. And you've been sticking around and you've been coming back for more. I'm trying, I'm here to tell you, when are you going to learn the lesson? When are you going to learn boundaries? When are you going to learn to stand up for yourself? When are you going to learn to be a man? Run. And I was like, I felt so empowered in that moment. I was like, wow. It felt like what was really happening there was I was getting a message in the soul realm that this is my life lesson. This is what I came on this earth to do. The drama that was I was here to play out with my mother. Uh, and she took a role and I took a role of the person who wanted to please. And she took on the role of the person who wasn't going to have it. And I had a lesson to learn. And I realized in that moment that the message was loud and clear that on up there and down below that, you know, I was not being asked to stick around. You know, uh, we don't stick around situations where people are kind to us and, and embrace us and are thoughtful and, you know, and I wasn't getting that from my, my mother down on the earth plane. And so the message made sense. And I was, I just dwelled in that for a moment. And when I came back down, when it was all over and I was back in this, my, my own body here on the cushion, and then I had time to integrate it afterwards. It was a great peace I had, an enormous amount of peace. Um, you know, you could describe it as well. Now I can, now that I can land in a place of love, you know, uh, uh, and not anger for what you know. Let's say how I was a victim of the situation or whatever, uh, but rather to really see it from that perspective uh, of of like here's our here's what we came to on this earth to play out the drama we came to play out and the lesson we came to learn once i could see it from that perspective i had a great amount of peace and and it dissipated so much of the anger and so much of the discontent uh that i had around it and um it made me it made it possible for a lot clearer thinking moving forward um and it also drove home to me in a very real sense why we do what we do, why I'm so drawn to this practice. It made it practical. It made it real. It made it, it made it, it, it brought me to a new uh, level of being able to be of service in the world, which I still, you know, can't really articulate, but it's definitely that experience changed me in a profound way once again beyond the little drama of me and my mother you know because really who cares you know we all have <laughs> we all have our drama with our family right and and that's mm -hmm. the other thing you know after having been consumed with the the drama and it's so important right and telling all friends about it you know it became like again and that's also in that perspective and so um of like it's just a little drama between me and a parent and nobody will care about it in, in when I'm gone for sure. And even now, you know, it's really not important. We're here to serve. We're here to be filled with love and we're here to be generous um, in, in the ways that we know how and the places we know how to serve. Anyway, so that's my little story. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's, it's such a good thing to share because so often, you know, we, find it so difficult to make those uh, those moves 
because we're taught to be harmless and we're taught to be detached and loving. But sometimes, as Alice Bailey said in her autobiography, she learned that sometimes you have to leave people to God. And it sounds like that's what you did with your mom, you know, detached with love. But, you know, maybe you just have to move on at certain times in certain situations. And that's what you did. So it took, obviously, it took a lot of um, bravery on your part to do that. And I'm sure as you described it, it's, it was very, very challenging, but the soul guided you. So it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Mm. Thanks, yeah. Kathy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll open it up to sharing um, in response to Stephen's presentation after Nazanin goes. We'll, we'll just uh, continue right now with Nazanin. So yeah, hi, Nazanin. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello, Kathy. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be with you again, and it's great to have the opportunity to share some of my experiences with you today. And thank, uh, you. thank you, Stephen, for the great presentations. It's full of uh, lessons for us. Thank you very much. Um, if you allow me, I would like to start this talk with the phrase from esoteric astrology. Shrink. Yeah. Not these crises, hard and difficult, though they may appear to be. Difficult they are. Forget not that the habit of confronting crises is a long-established one within the consciousness of humanity. Man has the habit of crisis, if I may so call it. They are only the points of examination as to the strength, purpose, purity, and motive, and the intent of the soul. They evoke confidence with surmounted and produce greatly expanded vision. They foster compassion and understanding for the pain and inner conflict they have engendered is never forgotten, for they draw upon the resources of the heart. They release their light of wisdom within the field of knowledge, and the world is thereby enriched. I guess this is a meaningful sentence about crisis. It says the habit of crisis tests a person's strength, purpose, and motivation, and evokes confidence and also produces expanded vision. Crisis foster understanding and compassion, and one can understand the pain and inner conflict, and finally release the light of wisdom within the field of knowledge. Uh, my life story is close to the mentioned process, and when I look back at my life, I see that I didn't have a normal day like many people, and now I am really used to living in crisis, and it has become part of my rhythm of my life. Sometimes when people tell me about their lives and pains and the problems that they struggle with, it's like I'm looking at my memories. And their experiences today are like my memories of yesterday. Now crises have become like playing a game for me. And I'm enjoying this funny game, like riding a roller coaster. Perhaps many of you may know that I was born in Iran. And I was only a child when the 1979 revolution happened. And then the war started in 1980, when I the Iraqi armed force attacked Iran. 
There was an economic crisis that left Iran in ruins with all the casualties of war. So many people migrated to European and American countries, including most of my family members, friends, and relatives. During my time in Iran, I witnessed two terrible earthquakes and the death of many people. I had conflicts and there were challenges of religious, social, and cultural beliefs between my past and my present constantly. I'm talking about how the revolution and shock of war affected our lives, what we were in the past and what we have become after that and what the world was or was going out towards. After a couple of years, I too migrated and the stories of immigration happened to me. The story of forgetting who you are, starting from scratch and building a new life in a new world. It is like a death and rebirth. For many people, one or two of these crises and tragic mishaps may happen in a lifetime. But for me, it was like living in a whirlwind. I'm not very old, but in the past 40 years, so many important events have happened, one after another, in a way that sometimes I think how old I am. From seeing Hollis Comet to travel to Mars and James Webb's telescope discovery, from the fall of the Berlin Wall to the formation of the European Union or from invention of smartphones to living with masks and working from home. All these other events and crises caused me to learn from my early childhood how to live in two different worlds and to get to know the inner world as well. When I just began my schooling, there was a war and I had to study and write my homework by candlelight under the bomb attacks. While on the other side of the planet, people were desperate to see Michael Jackson's show. In such a crisis situation, my mother had an important role and she was like a beacon for me. She always encouraged me to read books and she read me biographies of famous and successful people of the past. She told me of many scientists and writers and inventors and artists who also studied, worked and wrote in the dark under candlelight. And she said I could do the same. Consequently, I became very interested in the old world and the past because the new and outer world, any, everything in it was intimidating and moved so fast that it seems inaccessible, especially for us in Iran with the unwanted forced situations under which we were living. For this reason, books became my best friends and made me go deeper into the world of science and research. After a while, two important events caused major changes in my life and both brought serious crises in my life. But this crisis helped me grow and go further in the direction I am now. These events made me. That is to say that I'm not on this path just because of my inspiration or desire, but I'm here because of the belief, confidence, and responsibility that I feel towards it. The first one started with a dream. When I was preparing for the medical university entrance exams, 
this dream made me change my life direction. And instead of medical science, I chose to study English translation and linguistics. In my dream, I saw the most beautiful, luminous, and the deepest blue eyes in the world. I felt that I was deep in love and affection in the ocean of those beautiful blue eyes. I found myself swimming in the ocean towards the golden sun of the horizon. Suddenly, a key was placed in my hand, and I was asked to open people's hearts with it. And for doing this, it is necessary to learn the language of the hearts. When I heard language, I thought that I should study language. <laughs> Maybe it sounds a bit funny now, but at the moment I was sure about it and nothing could change my mind. Eventually I decided to study English because it was the first language of communication in the world. Making such a decision was not easy at all. And many crises happened to me, such as having to convince my family and it impacted my relationship with my friends. It means changing the people around me, my living environment, my hobbies, and my normal life plans. Everything changed. It was a very difficult and complicated situation for a young girl in her 20s, especially in Iran. Maybe it looks odd now, but this period of crisis lasted for the next 20 years, and every day I became more determined to stay on this path, to learn and discover more even though I became lonely and people made fun of me. But there was a desire in my heart that carried me on this path because of the remembrance of those loving, familiar eyes. Since then, until I turned almost 40 years old, I didn't have a routine day or nights, and I was excited to know more and read more, to find whose eyes I had dreams and what the language of the heart means. At the same time, I became acquainted with the esoteric sciences and began to read the available books by Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey. I studied many courses and met and worked with mystical teachers in Iran, and later I had a special and personal experiences, but I did not know what I was doing and what my mission was. I had some knowledge in esoteric subjects, but at the same point, I realized it was superficial. This made me confused, moody, and unmotivated. I was preparing, in a sense, for a particular event to come about and show me where I was and what I'm doing and what my purpose and mission was. Up until that time, I was disappointed and somehow angry with everyone and with life itself. And to some extent, I doubted the whole concept. That is until the second story took place. That created a horrible crisis for me, but it turned into a miracle and an unforgettable experience. The second event unfolded in relation to a very close friend of mine who had been diagnosed with a malignant tumor in her head and cancer had taken over her body. Doctors had given up on her and she was very afraid of death. One day before her condition worsened, she asked me, what is the world after death and how much do you know about it and how you can help me? I really didn't know what to answer because there is a big difference between knowing from experience and saying something with confidence. I just told her that it is better to ask the inner master and your guardian angels. They can definitely help in a better manner. 
At that time, I asked God and all the teachers and the spiritual hierarchy from the bottom of my heart to show her a way so that she could be guided properly. I asked them to show me something so, so that I would regain my faith and believe in them again. I needed to make sure that what I had read was true to prove that they were not just myths. A couple of days later, her condition worsened and she lost her sight and hearing and no one could communicate with her. But when I went to visit her, she called my name in a loud voice and said that she could see me and hear my thoughts. And she even told me what I was wearing. I was surprised and for the first time in my life, I had a real telepathic experience. I told her to ask the masters for guidance on her next journey. Two days later, her family called me to say she woke up in the middle of the night and asked them to write down everything she said and then give me the writing only to me. She told her family about going on a trip and mentioned that she's not afraid of death anymore and is really and is ready to live. Shortly after, uh, she went into a coma and was transferred to the inner side the next day. That letter she felt for me she left for me was changed my life and it worked like a miracle she was like a messenger and enlightened me about my doubts questions and whatever i couldn't understand needless to say that my friend has no knowledge of the esoteric sciences and none of her family members understood her words but me the strange secrets were opened and the path of return was fully explained to me since that moment, I have felt a strong sense of responsibility towards the path and the enlightenment of humanity. I started translating the text of esoteric sciences, especially esoteric astrology, for those who are interested. Then I found the Arcane School, the Triangles, and the World Goodwitch Group, and I learned, and I'm still learning the path of service with them. In the end, all I'm trying to say is that all those hardships, challenges, and crises disappeared in a moment. All I see now are the love and light of those blue eyes which changed me and those words in my friend's letter. These experiences brought me such a sense of responsibility and accountability that now I am ready to do anything to serve and to endure hardships and crises always having the aspiration to help others and to share light and love in any language. I believe that the perception of the concept of the language of hearts requires more effort and time, but at least now I know who is teaching it and I will start learning its alphabet. Today, I want to tell everyone, please, Please do not be afraid of crises and hardships and don't run away from them because they are destined according to our evolutionary plan and ultimately make us stronger and readier in our journey back home. Thank you. Thank you, Nazanin. Thank you so much. It's really uplifting to hear both you and Stephen because I think your final words that we shouldn't be afraid of crisis. We should confront it head on. Uh, I think both of your live uh, demonstrations have shown us that that's so true. Um, I had one question for you, 
because I know that you focused a lot in your life, you have focused a lot on study. And so how could you share with the group how study and concentration on the pursuit of knowledge can create such a positive frame of thought that it does enable the person to rise above outer crises? Oh, thank you. I think um, most of the crises and situations affect on our emotional level and our minds start us to make negative and dark forces. So it creates a loss of even flows in our situations. So, but we, when we actually read some things, concentrate on the knowledge and have the informations about the causes of the crisis and the deep, um, being deep on the knowledge. So it helps us to actually be prepared and having plans toward understanding acceptance or solutions. So it creates a situations for us um, to concentrate and on this knowledge um, actually distract our emotional reactions and uh, improve our logical thinking. So um, therefore, when, when I read books and have the researches or uh, doing the translations, most of all, I think about the other people, not myself. <laughs> so in yeah. this case, yeah, I forget um, how the outer world's going, you know and the difficult situations. So difficult situations is always there. <laughs> Nothing changed, you know, everything, something's difficult, more difficult comes. Um, but yeah. when we are reading and concentrating and uh, researching or um, actually translating, um, distract our feelings and emotions. So yeah, yeah. that's why it works for me. Yeah, that's a that's a really good message. Um, Stephen, do you have any? I mean, your life also has just demonstrated like, and that's that experience that you went through, I'm sure has enabled you in subsequent uh, crises in your life to to realize you just have to confront it head on and, and go through it. Do you have anything to share? Um, yeah, it just, it's it, having had that experience, it, it changes, it changes me and my perspective in ways that I believe I'm not even aware of most of the time. It becomes a new yeah. instinct. It becomes a new automatic, you know, it's, 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 it became the building blocks for where I am now, which is, 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 um, I'm doing some very deep somatic experiencing work um, guided by some online work with uh, a guy named Peter Levine, who's a psychologist who does what he calls healing trauma through the biology of, uh, you know, working with stored trauma in the body, not so much the stories of what happened. And I think that really laid the groundwork for being able to get here now, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I just wanted to open it up to the group. They are sharing many, mostly thank yous in the chat box, which we are very appreciative of. But if anyone would like to raise their hand um, and share audibly, that would be great. Um, yeah, when you were both sharing, it reminded me again of another story, um, which I think can help all of us. From the Again, from the life of Alice Bailey, her autobiography, she was going, and she said the moral of the story was that our soul never gives us more than we can handle. And that's really good to remember when it seems like, yeah, we have been given more than we can handle and we want to run away from it. 
but it she said that at one point when she was a young woman in California with three young daughters, and one of her daughters became very ill, and it seemed like she might even die. And the doctor basically told her to just um, sleep in the same bed with the daughter and to give the daughter a lot of her energy. And so in the middle of this terrible, you can imagine this terrible moment in her life, she said that a uh, another mother came to her door who she didn't know, knocked on her door with a sick child and asked if she could come and stay with them. I don't know. She didn't really know how she had appeared there, but she did. And uh, so Alice took in this this other woman with a sick child and it just taught her it taught her again that our lives are guided and we're never given more than we can handle. And she was able to help the other woman as well. Um, would any of you like to share some of the comments um, from the chat? Just read them out, perhaps, if there's anything that strikes your fancy as something that we should highlight to the group. Um, Stephen, would you say mm. anything? Yeah, just, just a lot of thank yous. Mostly just thank yes. yous. I'd certainly welcome any, I'd certainly welcome any questions. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I can see that Isabel asked me about uh, are am I translating into Farsi? Yes, I'm translating into Persian. And am I am I in the, my homeland? No, <laughs> right now I'm not living there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a, a part of a, a present day crisis for you as to the energies that are working out through your homeland at this time. Right? Yeah, They're sure. Very it's challenging. Very yeah, very challenging. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it seems like the sharing of both of you have really uplifted members of the group who might be at this time passing through their own really difficult challenges. So um, there's a lot of thank yous for the, all of that sharing. Um, I don't see anyone raising their hand. Okay. Um, one thing that I was reading that I thought I might like to share with the group is that, at least for me, I've often thought that all of the outer crises were a reflection of um, some kind of initiatory process. You know, there's many different levels of initiation and there's many different stages before any particular initiation. And um, the Tibetan was talking about the planetary logos, you know, the great Lord of our planet, the great life, and the fact that he had already undergone a huge expansion of consciousness, having taken a cosmic initiation, and that all of the events that were unfolding in our planet, particularly he was speaking about the relationship of the world war in the last century, and which many of us could say is continuing on into this day with all of our present day challenges, that was a result of initiation. It, it followed upon the initiation. And so that can help us perhaps to look at all of the crises in our lives as a, a time when we're trying to open up some of the confines of our lives that no longer serve us. We need to widen ourselves to accommodate the expansions 
that have already taken place on the inner planes and now they're working out at this uh, crisis point, which is really tearing us apart, but making way for the light to be expressed. So. I will add one thing. Um, it's very interesting how everything changed, but nothing changed. And I still feel remarkably human and annoyed and, uh, you know, I have all my hot buttons still. It's like nothing really changed, but something changed, yeah. something profound changed, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Um, David. Hello, David. Can you unmute? Hello, Kathy. I want Hi. to thank both of Stephen and Azim uh, for their experience. And uh, just to share with you uh, a quote from Alice Bailey. You said, if you're not experiencing a crisis, create one. She also said, yeah. it'll come to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, David. All right, everyone. So we all extend our gratitude to both Stephen and Nazanin. Thank you both so much. Thank you. And uh, thank, yeah, thank you, you for so having much. us here. Really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, this, I think this picture that Nazanin sent is really embodies <laughs> both of your journeys and the journey of our collective group here. So we can keep it in our minds as we go forward to confront the next crisis in our lives. Mm. So, so let's just take a moment, a brief moment of silence to visualize the planet surrounded by a network of golden triangles. Thank you. Thank you everyone.